Hey, you guys in capes and rogues who are sneaky. Thank you for tuning in with Chris and Jason because Roger is out of town. <laughs> hey, Jason here. But we're here to entertain the geeky. <laughs> guys, what's going on? How are you, Jason? I'm good. I'm good. How's it going? I'm living the good life, man. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't done this in a minute, so I'm super excited. Yeah. Um, and basically, what we're going to do today is just talk about a few of the things that we're stoked about that are up and coming or that have happened recently. Uh, so I figured we'd dive right into it and go with the big thing. Are you going to say Avengers? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we got like two weeks now. We've got two weeks. It's so close, I can taste it. <laughs> it's kind of... It's driving me a little crazy not I, being able to watch it right now. I can tell by everything that you're <laughs> posting about it because it, Infinity War update. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to, the you know. road to Infinity War. No, yeah, it's fun, it's, man. We did a, we did a, an episode about the Infinity Stones, me and Joe, uh, which will be up later this week, but yeah. That's that amazing. Fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I've been, I've been looking at the, uh, the toys for it. Yeah. And getting more and more excited. And, uh, I hadn't seen Iron Spider with his, you know, extra legs yeah, yeah. until I went to, uh, I, I was at some store and I saw a Lego set and yeah. it was Iron Spider with the legs and I was like, oh yes! They showed off a, uh, they showed off a prototype for a, a statue that they're doing of Iron Spider oh, and it, really? it has the legs kind of coming out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely more uh, comic book than I assumed it would be. With, um, with the extra legs. With the extra legs, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> it looks amazing though. It does, it uh, does. I, I, I was like, man, how are they going to pull off this Iron Spider suit? Because I'm thinking red and gold, it's going to be super tacky. But they, they did it some uh, beautiful movie magic justice. No, yeah. I mean, we, we got to see it pop up at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, and it did. looked great. You know, like even then, I was just like, that's Iron Spider. Like, there's no denying the, how the spider kind of bleeds into the rest of the yeah, costume. It goes into the arms. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It's super sick. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I, I've been excited by that. And I was, uh, so my son and I were at, at the store and we're going through and we're looking at the different toys and he noticed with the Lego sets that um, the way they have them set up is they have a different infinity stone with each set associated yeah, with the that. movie. Yeah. And uh, he's like, dad, this means you have to buy all the sets. And then he goes on to tell me that this is a brilliant marketing strategy. His words, not mine. All right. And I was like, wow, you're so corporate. Way to go, man. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I mean the, the the toys and the marketing. It's it's definitely. I mean they've been pushing the crap out of this. It it broke the uh, presale record on Fandango in like six hours. I can I can imagine. Yeah, I, I mean the, the presale record shattered the presale record in six hours. <laughs> this is like one of those movies that's super anticipated. We've not had a, an Avengers movie in three years now. Yeah, I mean, so it's twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's time. Yeah, it's time. And then getting it almost a month early. Yeah, I mean that was that was an interesting little bit of marketing, letting Robert Downey Jr. feel like he was responsible for allowing us to see the movie earlier. I mean, obviously, you know, it was it was probably a move on Disney's part to try to not not compete interfere with Solo. Well, Solo. Oh, oh yeah, there's Solo, Solo comes well. out on Memorial Day weekend because I was thinking Deadpool. Which when they push back uh, when they pushed it back to the 27th, will give them a whole month before Solo comes out. That's of just Infinity War. That's a good idea. Yeah, and then Deadpool two comes out with, within that. Within that, of, within that few too. weeks, yeah. too. Well, and that's um, what I was thinking. Because of the merger with Fox, they want this movie to do well because it's ultimately going to be money in their pocket. I mean, but but are they going to are they going to continue along with what they've already been doing, or are they going to recast and reboot and do all that stuff? I think to integrate it into that. I world? think there will be riots if they recast Deadpool. Well, at this so point. that's been a that's been a question on everybody's mind, right? And and obviously with the R rated Deadpool, is Disney going to even continue making R rated films for the character? They did say that they would. 
So if they will, then yeah, I think you leave Ryan Reynolds in the role because I think he's fantastic at it. But what that means is you probably have to start over with his story from square one. They they could continue it just because of how the Deadpool thing has been anyway. It's been kind of its own deal outside of the X-Men universe, but still in it. And with this breaking down of the fourth wall and all that crap, it could it could be masterfully done. And I mean, yeah. it could be hysterical. No, no, I agree. I just think that that building their story into the other the other movies universe requires starting over story-wise, right? Maybe. If you want to build something that's going to fit... Because right now they're building something that fits within their X-Men universe. And that's great and fine and whatnot, but if that if the X-Men universe in and of itself is going to change, well, then the Deadpool universe has to change too. Now, I do think you let Ryan Reynolds continue playing the part. And I think that one of the greatest jokes that could be had is when you bring him into an Avengers movie and he talks about how it's PG-13 so he can't curse. Right, like that would be a funny joke that could play up the idea of Deadpool oh, breaking ab- the fourth wall. Absolutely, <laughs> I've got to watch my mouth. The mouse is watching, or something along <laughs> right, yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. That would yeah. be beautiful. Making jokes at it, and I'm sure Disney would be on board with that as well. Especially if they're going to continue doing an R-rated Deadpool and maybe even some Wolverine movies, you know, down the line. Or if we got Wolverine and the Punisher, how sick would that be? Yeah, I mean, I think the Netflix thing is still going to be its own thing, though. I, really... it, I, I think it is. I mean, they've acknowledged that it's the same universe, but yeah. they've also said, hey, there's a lot of moving I don't... parts here, and we don't want to have it all interfering with one Right, part. I don't think we'll see Daredevil pop up in Infinity War or Avengers so 4, cool, right? It would, it would be, be so cool. cool. But I don't think it's going to happen. Even if it was a silly cameo, though. Yeah. Or you see, okay, so they could cut to some footage in New York of, you know, Thanos' minions running around. You could just see Daredevil stepping up against sure. them. And it it just has to be a two-second scene. You could see Daredevil punching a bad guy in the face yeah. and then cut away and go back to the action with the Avengers. I'd be thrilled with that. Well, I agree with that. And and with the Netflix universe shaping itself around the events of the first Avengers film, mm-hmm. it was always the incident, right? Mm-hmm. When you have something like this that, that threatens the whole world, that will be something that the whole world will watch as it happens... You can't you can't not acknowledge that when you start going forward with the Netflix shows. You have to at least have that be a new event within the world's Absolutely. you know the world building, so that you can continue on feeling like it's part of the same world. I completely agree. Yeah, because Ultron. I mean, Ultron was big, but it was still very isolated. It was a. It just happened in Sokovia. Nothing threatened the United States. You know what I mean? Like the all the fighting really happened in that film outside of the country. Yeah. So I think. Um, that one didn't have to impact those those shows as much, but I think Infinity War has to impact those shows. I mean, it's it's just it's one of those earth shattering yeah things that oh my god Thanos is here right he tore through a portal in space and is here to mess everybody up yeah and he brought a whole army of Outriders man the Outriders look so they're good. insane dude Ugh. I I want to see Proxima Midnight just well the Black Order it. yeah the Black Order too the Black Order is gonna be great but the Outriders are just the soldiers and they were part yeah, of great. Jonathan Hickman's Infinity comic that was just fantastic like I didn't read Hickman's Infinity comic <sighs> it was so convoluted and. And genius. And I know those things don't usually go together, but it all comes together, right? Like it has it has all of these moving pieces, and you really don't see how these disparate things are gonna end up coming to the same conclusion. And he weaves these very intricate tales that all then wrap back around into each other. I think that's one of the things that Hickman does well. Oh, it's, it, so good. it's also one of the things that uh drives people crazy about him. Yeah. Because they're like, he's trying to do a hundred different things at once, just tell a damn story. And then other people that are like, he's he's telling this masterful story that involves right. everything everywhere, and it's so much fun. 
Yeah, and it all comes back together. I mean, he always he always manages to wrap his plots up very nicely, you know. Puts a little bow on them. Yeah, that's one of the things he's good at. No, they're fun. It's, it, it's a good thing. I, I enjoy, uh, I've enjoyed a couple of the things of his that I've read, yeah. but I've not, I've definitely not delved into all of his shit because there's so much of it at this point. I mean, he was basically writing everything for Marvel. Well, Marvel for a while, but I mean, there, there's some other stuff that he's done that's really worth worth checking out. Like uh, East of West was really worth East checking out. East of West out. is actually very good. Yeah, I forgot I mean, the East one. Yeah, that. yeah, East of West is fantastic, and he uses, uh, I think, the style that we were just talking about. How he's kind of all over the place, trying to do so many different things within the story of East of West. That works really well. Yeah, right, because you're following the horsemen on their different paths. You know what I mean? And all of these characters that you're introduced to along the way that are you know the cult characters that are think that Death's Child is a god, the harbinger of the end, all of these things. So, you know, it, it, it has a lot of stuff going on, and I'm very, very interested in seeing how he brings it all together when it finally concludes eventually. Hells yeah. Because everything ends. <laughs> I, it, everything should end. Well, I mean, we, we and this is something that Roger and I have complained about for years now. Uh, wrap up Star Wars. It's time, guys. Sorry. I think that's what this trilogy is intending to do. I hope is so. to wrap up what we know Star Wars to be, right? I mean, like, it's still a cash cow. They're still going to make Star Wars bright. Right, well, uh, yeah, I mean, they're having Ryan Johnson and the guys who worked yeah. on Game of Thrones come up with their own kind of trilogies that will not have to do with the Skywalkers anymore. We can we can, put, we can close the book on their story, right? It needs to be done. Nine movies, that's it. They're, the Skywalker story is done. Now, that's not to say that we can't tell... You know stories about other Skywalkers, right? I mean, uh, personally, I'm a big fan of Kate Skywalker, Luke's great grandson from the future, for from the uh, Star Wars Legacy comics, because that was an amazing series. The the Sith rose again and created a whole order as opposed to just two. Now there was a whole bunch of them. Um, you know, Kate had to like infiltrate the Sith in order to undermine them. Yeah, it was just he was just a cool character. I want to see some old Republic stuff. Yeah, I'd like to see like uh, Knights they, of the Old Republic. Revan. Yeah, I was going to say they could do Revan's story. Yeah. I'd be totally in for that. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of hope that that's what the uh, Game of Thrones dudes gravitate toward. I hope they're like, let's do this Old Republic thing because yeah. it's never been seen on screen. Yeah, and, oh yeah, for sure. And make it just freaking magical. And Well, I mean, it all kind of falls. I think I think one of, the, one of Disney's big things, and I think this was very relevant within The Last Jedi... It's trying to change our minds about Star Wars, trying to show us that it doesn't always have to be the thing we've come to see for so long and come to read about for so long. And while I do like Darth Revan's story, Darth Revan's story, Revan and then later Darth Revan, it's just this, it's the same kind of Star Wars story that we've seen over and over and over again, where someone rises to power, they fall to the dark side, and are ultimately redeemed. It's the story we've seen over and over and over. And I love Revan's story, and it's so intricate, and there's so much more to it than just that that beat. Yeah. But that is the beat that it follows throughout its arc. I mean, it's a it's a pretty typical hero's journey story. Right. And um, I, I think that's what they're trying to show us with Last Jedi, is it's time to shatter that mold and tell different type of story. I, I'm interested to see what happens next, but I can tell you I'm kind of burnt out on Star Wars at this point. Oh, man. Like, going, going back, and I've rewatched <laughs> The Last Jedi now a couple of times uh and i i'm i'm just like dude i'm over it it, I love it, it. it can be done now um I, I just want something new they could put it in space whatever i'm cool with that uh but it doesn't it doesn't even need to be star wars do the next big thing 
Like, I get that the branding makes you money. Cool. Sure. Um, and if they were smart about it, they could just use it for licensing and toys and stuff like that. And then in 10, 15 years, poop out a couple of movies that are extended universe kind of thing. And I think that would be a solid way to do it. But I'm not I'm not their marketing guy, and they can make more money doing it their way. I'm I sure. mean, they, they bought Lucasfilm to make money on Star Wars. That yeah. was the point. Um, and honestly... You know, people people ask this question all the time about, like, how do you not get burnt out on superhero movies? Uh, because they're entertaining. You know what? I don't need big Academy Award-winning films. I don't need the biggest high-profile actors in the industry. Sometimes a movie can just be entertaining. Sometimes you can just go to a movie, you can have fun, and you can walk away with some cool stuff to talk about with your friends. And that, that's I don't think any of these new Star Wars movies haven't satisfied that for me. I've walked away from each of the new Star Wars movies and said, that was fun. That was an entertaining film. I'm not going to say that there weren't fun parts to the film. Because, like, spoiler, if you haven't seen it at this point, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, You're fucking way late. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) like, you see Luke do this great force projection across the galaxy. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's one of those things. You've never seen it before in canon. um, And it was badass, dude. Next level shit. And Luke does it. And you're like, okay, Luke is legit. Right. Um, he goes out a hero. He, he gives the galaxy hope again. Yeah, and I mean, that that, that part of the story was very cool. Uh, I'm interested to see how they wrap up Leia. Yeah. With, with, with the death of Carrie Fisher and how they ended the movie, yeah. I'm just like, whoa, dude, this is different. I mean, it, it could be something as simple as she has to go do the political thing and talk to the leaders of these various allies that they might have within the finale of this story. So they just ride her out in that regard. They could ride her out that way, or they could have her assassinated. Yeah, that could work too. Or she could. They could do some blaze of glory thing. Oh no, she took she took a troop to go head off the rest of the uh, you know yeah the, the evil doers. Well, and that's the thing that I we we've I've talked about that with a few people. The end of the last Jedi. I think she should have been the one that sacrificed herself in the ship to destroy the fleet that was, you know, coming after them. I completely agree. I think that would have been a great ending to her story. It would have kicked ass, and then you would have had one solo left. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and, and you could have, you know, I liked uh, Admiral Holdo. I, I think that she she made some bad decisions as the person in charge, but I think she's an interesting character, and I would have liked to have seen more of her. Um, and she could have honestly, that scene could have played out the same except for, you know, Leia could have said, you know, I appreciate that, but that's my job, right? Like, yeah. I appreciate that you want to sacrifice yourself, but this, they need this, they need you as their leader. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fucking Princess Leia. I'm 150 years <laughs> old at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting ending and it's interesting to speculate on what J.J. Abrams will do because I think at this point we're way past his nostalgia trip that was the first film that, that, oh, yeah. uh, that came out. Um, because it, there's just everything that he would have done if he had kind of crafted this story from beginning to end has been just shattered by what Ryan Johnson did. Absolutely. And clearly Disney was on board with that, right? They were completely happy with that. They were like, we're, we're going to give you a, a big job. We want you to write a whole new story. Yeah. A three movie story. And he was, you know, so clearly they liked what he did. They liked his direction. Absolutely. Um, and how he, you know, what, what the film ultimately ended up becoming. It, it's been crazy to see how these films have uh, have fallen apart with directors and stuff. Like, it, it makes you think Disney's really hard to work with. Well, I mean, but you, but then but then there's exceptions to that, right? Like, James Gunn has never had anything but, but the, the greatest praise about Marvel Studios and what they do and who they are. Um, 
the, the Russo brothers who've been with us since Captain America Civil War, mm-hmm. you know, have had not or Captain America Winter Soldier have had nothing but good things to say about their experience. So I think every now and again, someone comes along. That's I mean, maybe you, maybe we have to look at it as the person that was asked to leave was hard to work with. If, if you're right? still if you're still on the payroll, um, I mean, I'm gonna fucking like him if I'm on the payroll. Josh Wheaton has nothing but good good things to say. I've heard mixed things from Josh. Josh he, Wheaton. He said it was extremely difficult dealing with them. He said it was stressful because he wanted to do things and they needed different things because they were building a universe. But he's later went on record as saying, you know, you know, yeah, I mean, it got a little stressful, but it was great. It was fun. It was some of the best stuff I ever did. And when they did their little well, ten year the, photograph, he came up. He was well, like, heck the yeah, I'll be in the biggest picture. thing he's ever got to do too. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess budget-wise and, and Hollywood-wise, yeah. It's the sure. biggest thing yeah. he's ever got yeah. to do. I mean, that career-wise, like, if they were like, Chris, do you want to come direct an Avengers movie? I could blow that shit up, but I'd be like, hell yeah, I'd do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll eat whatever shit that mouse wants to throw at me, too. <laughs> but, uh, no, Star Wars in particular um, has lost a lot of directors. And, like, I don't think with, with losing three or four directors – I don't think that that's a matter of, oh, this director's bad at that point. He's hard to work with. Like, it sounds like whoever's in charge of the Star Wars division of things... What's Kathleen Kennedy? ...has something in particular that she wants done. If you're not willing to fall in line, then fall out. Well, sure, but, I mean, when you look at directors that have left... So it's only happened twice, right? I thought it was, like, three or four. Yeah, and Colin Trevorrow, who was going to direct the third Mm -hmm. trilogy film, um, was asked to leave because or before he even got to work on that project. So he didn't have any input up to that point. He was just asked to leave because they changed their mind after a movie of his came out and it didn't do well. They changed their mind. They were like, no, we're not going to have you direct this movie. We're going to have someone else direct it. And then Solo, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, are still getting a writing and a producing credit on the film. Because they did a lot on it already. Oh, right. And then they turned it over to Ron Howard, right? Right. Yeah. For some reshoots and, and, and some kind of changing to the, to the plot, I guess. I don't know, we'll see in a, you know, yeah, that'll in a be, month that, or so. That, that'll be interesting. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, it seems, I, just based off that, I feel like they'd be difficult to, to work with. And I'm and maybe Kathleen Kennedy is, you know. I don't know Kathleen Kennedy, and I don't, I don't know, know what kind of person she is, but she's the head of Lucasfilm. She's the one that Disney put in charge after they bought it. Yeah. No, it's it, it's all very interesting. Yeah, that, that's the uh, that's the part of I guess the behind the curtain stuff is what I would like to be able to know more about. I think that's what all the fans want to know more about because sure. um, we all get very invested in these movies, these universes, the, all the lore, the comics, everything that kind of follows it. I mean, we even end up buying games and stuff for it. Oh yeah. So when when you have all of this stuff that becomes a large component of your life, um, getting to know why certain decisions are made and stuff like that would be fantastic. And I get there's politics involved and there's bajillions of dollars involved. So yeah. I, I understand where they're coming from, but uh, it, it's just one of those things, man. Like I would, I would love to know more of what's happening with it. And why? Sure. Well, I think there's, there's a lot of transparency with most of the people. I mean, and as far as Marvel's defense goes, they've only had that happen one time with Edgar Wright and Ant-Man. And, and honestly, I feel like, Evangeline Lilly, you know, who played Hope in the movie, she went on record as saying, like, am I disappointed that we didn't get to make Edgar Wright's movie? Of course I am. But Edgar Wright's movie didn't feel like it was part of everything else. And and he's even went on record as saying that was why he left, because he wanted to make a movie that was very standalone, and they, at that point, couldn't have that be the case. We're too deep into this. you got to connect your movie to everything else. Yeah. 
and he didn't really want to. So in that regard, I wouldn't even say, I would say when you, you know, when you hear the words creative differences, you think, oh, right, that's just a nice way of saying we fired a guy. Right. Dick. Right? Yeah. But if you think about what Edgar Wright has said and what the people that were working with him have said, that would seem like a pretty amicable parting of the ways. Like they've had, they've had with actors though, they've had a, a lot of actors have had sour things to say about them and how they conduct business as well. I mean, who? I don't. Ed like, Norton. He motherfucked well, Disney. Well, and, yeah, but he also wanted more money to play the character in a cameo sense because it, there was never another Hulk movie. No, there there could be at this point, but uh, I mean that's that's neither here nor there. Well, sure. Um, Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, who was the guy that originally played War Machine? Terrence oh, Howard. Uh, Terrence Howard. Um, yeah. Terrence Howard also wanted more money. Can you blame them? No. Like, I mean, basically, the guy. But at that, the time, you the guy, at, you the guy, guy that got the pay raises for everybody was RDJ, though, because he was like, "Hey, you need to pay everybody more right. to be in these movies." That didn't happen until much later. You know, look at in Phase One. We had Iron Man. Iron Man was a success. We had Incredible Hulk. Incredible Did Hulk so was so so. Yeah. We had Iron Man Two. Which was did well. successful, did well. right? But at this time, when those actors were, were negotiating, Marvel had no idea that this was going to become so successful. And it, at that point, it wasn't such a huge success. It was still being outshined by like the X-Men franchises um, and, and uh, uh, the, the, the Batman franchise that Christopher Nolan did. Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? So like, it wasn't a huge success right away. And all of these people were instantly demanding that they be paid a higher wage to play a character multiple times. And they said, look, but you're not a main character. You're a cameo character. So we're not going to pay you more. Um, and, and ultimately, they had to you know, replace those people. And I think, honestly, Don Cheadle and Mark Ruffalo were excellent replacements I, for both I those like characters. Mark Ruffalo. And I think they're way better at what they were I, doing than the guys previous. I loved Ed Norton. I love him. I like Ed Norton a lot, but I think he played Banner too seriously. I'm going to be honest. Okay. Banner's a man who, yes, he's a scientist. Yes, he's a doctor. But he also has a sense of humor about the situation that he finds himself in because it's it's a no-win scenario for him. You know what I mean? Like, this is his curse. And if he doesn't have a sense of humor about it, I mean, let's be honest. He, he's tried to kill himself before in the comics, and they even had that as part of a plot of one of the yeah. movies that got deleted. Well, it was it was in the movie. Hey, I tried to feed him a bullet, and the other guy spit it out. Well, sure, but they actually filmed that scene. Oh, did they? I yes. did not know that. <laughs> it just got cut out because they, the the test audiences thought it was really dark. That's brutal. <laughs> no, I, I I guess I could see that getting cut out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's pretty dark stuff. You know, yeah. you see Bruce Banner put a gun in his mouth, and then all of a sudden the Hulk is there spitting the bullet. I mean, it was dark. That's fucking cool, though. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cool. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I liked, uh, you know, so I think the replacements at the time, would I have liked to see Terrence Howard and, and Edward Norton keep going and continue doing what they were doing? Sure, because they would have evolved and they would have become better and, and, you know, just like everybody else has. But shit happens and we had to change our mind about a few casting choices. And I think the replacements have they've done been a good. great job. No, they've been good. I don't have, I'm not. Ups- Don Cheadle's fantastic. I'm not upset about anybody that has a role. Sure. Okay. Um, but. I was upset that certain people didn't have them anymore. Yeah, I get that. And that was kind of one of those things, like, even Ed Norton, when he went out, he was like, I like Mark Ruffalo. I'm friends with him. I want nothing but the best for him. I hope he kills it in the role. Um, He's like, I'm just kind of pissed off at the studio because he actually went in and did uh, test footage and stuff like that for Avengers. Right. um, Before they let him go. Yeah. 
And yeah, because there was no call for Hulk again until we got to Avengers. Yeah. Right? So that, now we're going to renegotiate and talk to the guy who played him before, and it fell apart and ultimately had to be replaced. I mean, Ruffalo did a good job. and He's so good. It, it's It's been fun to watch, and he's... I feel like he's equally as serious, though. Like, he's... He gets oh, pretty no, gritty. He has his reservations. He gets, he gets pretty gritty. But then you see something like, uh, you know, Thor Ragnarok, and you see that this man can be a funny character, too. Yeah. And and you see the breakdown of Banner, right? Because he doesn't understand what's happening, right? Yeah. Like, the Hulk has been in control for two years? That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. <laughs> How has he been angry for two years? Where have I been? Right. Um, <laughs> No, it was that, that that was fun. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok was just a fun flick, though. Oh, super fun. That was uh, that was much needed. Yeah, much needed. Yeah. Well, and then Black Panther followed it, and that was blowing everybody away. I mean, Black Panther was a sick movie. I actually just finally watched Justice League. Yeah, I wasn't impressed. Eh, not really. I was not impressed. I was like, really? This there was, was this was it. You know, in all reality, there was there was too many cooks in the kitchen on Justice League, I believe. Oh, way too many. Because you had, you know, you had executives from Warner Brothers who demanded a product. You had Zack Snyder who wanted to do something very specific, but DC and Warner Brothers had become very disenfranchised with how his movies were not being very well received. Mm-hmm. And you had Joss Whedon come in to do a bunch of reshoots right at the end. So I think ultimately they should have just scrapped the project and had Joss Whedon start over from scratch and build a new story and build a new, you know, movie. But too much money had been sunk into the project. It yeah, was too late in the game. I was going to say, there already, there's a whole movie already shot. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I I could see maybe using a couple of scenes or something that the other guy filmed. Oh, Zack Schneider filmed this. All right, yeah. I, I can use this scene or something like that. Oh, there's definitely um, film. When you watch the movie, there's definitely scenes that are very much Zack Snyder. Yeah. If you've been watching his movies, yeah. Yeah, so I could see using them. Like, if I were Joss Whedon being like, okay, I could use this. But I definitely would have tried to shoot for uh, cutting more of his stuff out and putting more of mine in it. Sure. Um, but they've since parted ways with him as well. Yeah. He was, he was going to do Batgirl, and then and now he's not going to do yeah. Batgirl. That's, that's crazy, man. I mean, if all if, if, if anything, the, the, your whole argument about studios having a hard time with their directors applies more to Warner Brothers than it does to anything else. I mean, uh, Warner Brothers is awesome. (laughs) I mean, look at what happened with with David Ayer's, you know, Suicide Squad. I felt so bad for David Ayer. That was supposed to be a completely different movie. Yeah, I felt so bad for David Ayer. I really did, because his movie could have been, I think, really good. I do as well. Well, David Ayer, Jared Leto, basically most of the folks that were involved with that we're pissed off about how everything turned out. Rightfully so, man. That's why we're recasting the Joker. That's why we're going to recast Batman. Everybody's becoming disenfranchised with what Warner Brothers has been doing. So it's not just the fans. I mean, it's the people working on the films, the creators and the actors. Well, I think Warner Brothers is, they they want to do the Avengers thing, but they want to do it dark and gritty. And the fact of the matter is you don't have that license. So do something different. Make it your own. Make it exciting because you can. Well, right. You've got all the money in the world to do it with. I think dark and gritty works for certain things, right? Dark and gritty doesn't work for Superman. Mm -hmm. Dark and gritty doesn't even work for Justice League. Dark and gritty works for Batman. It works for Suicide Squad. Yeah. You, you can have your cake and eat it too, right? Because you can have these dark, gritty films and still have some that are lighthearted and fun, like Green Lantern or Flash, right? Because honestly, I thought the best part of Justice League is Ezra Miller. No, oh, yeah. As Barry, he was fantastic. Sure. He was cracking me up the whole movie. That was the best thing about that film for me. I, I enjoyed Ezra Miller. Um, right? So imagine watching a whole movie with Flash. And it could be bright, and it could be fun. It could have that comedic tone, like a Marvel film has yeah. done, like Thor Ragnarok did. You know, 
So then you could, again, you'd have your cake and eat it too. You'd have your dark, gritty thing, and you could have your bright, happy thing. They just have to be willing to pull the trigger on it. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing right there. Yeah. Warner Brothers doesn't want to give up their control, because that's why Ben Affleck stepped down as director of Batman yeah. first. Well, they had too much success, right? <laughs> Christopher Nolan made three excellent Batman movies that did really well in theaters and made Warner Brothers a crap ton of money, and they were dark and gritty and real. So they, 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 they jumped on that bandwagon because they thought that was the thing that was going to make their movie successful, and it doesn't work for all the characters. It only really works for Batman. Well, they, they also, okay, like... Ben Affleck, right when they cast him, had just done Gone Girl, which was very well received. Oh, yeah. The movie did well. Like yeah, clearly, did he, the did guy he win awards for that. He did because yeah. the guy can fucking direct. He can act like yeah. he's, he's legit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, this is the best Batman casting ever. Like I love, I love his Batman. I do like that. I think he is a good part of the movie still, but he's surrounded by some just mediocrity Shit, dude, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Uh, well, it's funny, you know. Tara and I are watching it together and. Jason Momoa is in it. And yeah, super attractive guy. You know, you got Jason Momoa being sexy and stuff. Shirtless. I'm like, dude, yeah. you didn't offer that much to the movie. No, but I think I'm, I'm actually excited about James Wan's um, Aquaman movie, right? James Wan's the guy who, who did a couple of the Fast and the Furious movies. Mm-hmm. And while I'm not a big fan of the Fast and the Furious movies, I think someone that has that more lighthearted kind of fun yeah. feel when they're directing might bring an interesting thing to the table. Because I think Momoa's great. Yeah, I like Momoa. Yeah. I'm fine um, with Aquaman being Polynesian or whatever he yeah, is. Whatever. <laughs> Pacific Islander. Yeah, I'm not really sure what his nationality is. Um, I mean, he's from Kansas, I think. Okay. But, well, I mean, before that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's Hawaiian. He's oh, Hawaiian. okay. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so he's a Pacific Islander. But no, I mean, he's fucking, he's a big, badass looking dude. It really doesn't matter what nationality Aquaman is as long as he's fucking Aquaman. Yeah. Can talk to fish. <laughs> You don't talk to fish. <laughs> fish lack the brain capacity to talk. Oh, that was amazing. Um, I mean, that was just the thing that they did in uh, back when they did the New 52 relaunch. Jeff Johns was writing Aquaman. And in the very first issue of his run, he got all the jokes out of the way. That was so funny because he has a moment where Aquaman like saves the day. Like There were some bank robbers and they were getting away in an armored car. He saves the day. And the cops come up to him to thank him. And the one cop goes, are you okay? Do you need some water or something? And he was like, no, I'm. I can breathe the air. I'm. A, I'm human as well, you know. And so yeah. he leaves, and then he goes to a restaurant just as Aquaman to get him something to eat after his, you know, big day. And he sits down and he orders the fish and chips. And some guy sitting behind him in a booth like leans over and says, "You can't eat fish. You talk to fish." And Aquaman has this <laughs> moment where he breaks it down. He's like, "Look, I don't talk to fish. Fish lack the brain capacity to talk. I influence the behavior patterns of fish." by hitting their olfactory nerves with the vibrations. But you can't talk to fish. Fish don't talk. We got all science in the comic book. That's what he did. Yeah. Jeff Johns is like, look, I know people think Aquaman's a joke, but we're going to show you why he's not a joke. So we're going to get all these jokes out of the way right away, and then we're going to show you why Aquaman's awesome. going to show you his badassery and all the justice that he can enact. Well, and to be fair, that, that, that run was really good for a good amount of time. I think until Jeff Johns stopped writing it, it was fantastic. You know, I've not actually uh, sat down and read any Aquaman comics. I'm familiar with the character, just you, you kind of well, yeah, have to be. Yeah, he's just a um, He's on the cartoon show, too. Yeah. yeah. But I've never sat down and read any of his books. And it's not to say they're not good, because right. I've heard good things about a couple of storylines that Aquaman's in, but yeah. I've not really dicked around with it too much, and you're making me regret that. There's some good stories. There's, so, there's a lot of bad stories, right? So... 
you're ever going to read Aquaman comics, call me up and have me recommend something to you, because there's a lot of bad Aquaman stories that I've read. Jason, tell me what to read. Right. If you're going to buy something, call me first and say, hey, is this good? Because there's some crappy Aquaman stories. And that's why Aquaman became such a joke character, right? Because there was a time when he had a secret identity. Where, wow. where he was Arthur Curry, you know, just a normal, everyday human guy. And then he would change into his Aquaman costume, even though he had no mask on or anything. So it didn't really make any sense. Well, that's how Superman is, too, though. Well, I mean, Superman on. tries to, you know, with the glasses oh, and yeah, the baggy they, clothes and stuff. He tries to hide Well, yeah. you've got a guy that's six foot two, 225 pounds, <laughs> fucking jacked. I'm just saying, the point, of, the point of Aquaman having a secret identity is ridiculous, because... He's always Aquaman. He's Atlantis's king, right? He's, I, he's Aquaman. I completely agree with that. But, like, the argument there of his secret identity, I'm like, oh my god, Clark Kent's the same damn thing, though. Like, it's that true. is such a joke. It's true. But again, Aquaman doesn't even, doesn't even look different, right? Like, he doesn't try to change the way he looks. At least Superman has a different hairstyle, and he takes his glasses off, oh and god. maybe... I could see people mistaking him because nerdy Clark Kent could never be so heroic. But Arthur Curry was just like, God, Clark Kent, you have a mighty chiseled jaw. You have this intense look in your eyes. It's about him being a nerd, though, right? Like, he's a nerdy reporter guy. No one thinks someone like that could be Superman. A fucking six foot two. I understand what you're saying. I mean, look. I understand what you're saying. if, If they cast Christian Bale as Superman... I'd be like, okay, that's acceptable because the guy's like five foot nine. He's not a super big guy. You throw some baggy clothes on him and some glasses, yeah, that might be a little different. Um, but the disguise is is much more about is much more about the attitude than it is the actual look, right? Like it's much more about being a guy who could just never be Superman, right? Being clumsy and goofy and awkward around women, right? Like this was just how Clark Clark hid in plain sight. And yes, it seems stupid like a uh, you know reporter like Perry White couldn't figure it out. Or yeah. Lois Lane, which ultimately she does, she does figure, figure it out. out. But Perry White was just as awesome of a reporter back in his day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's ridiculous to think that he wouldn't know. But again, it's as much about the glasses and the baggy clothes as it is about the attitude. Superman's confident, right? Like he's, he, he could talk to the ladies. He's not clumsy. He's confident and heroic, and Clark Kent is a clumsy nerd. I guess, man. I I don't know. I still have trouble with that. All right, all right. Fair enough. Um, I tried to defend the argument. (laughs) I mean, just just because of the stature of the man, it's hard to argue it. Yeah, no, I get it. If I saw that dude, I'd be like, fuck, you look like Superman. Well, right. How tall are you? I get it. I get it. Most of us would figure it out instantaneously. Yeah. But... It's a comic book. We have to suspend our disbelief. So we do it with science by saying, no, fish lack the brain capacity. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) In all reality, it is true that fish lack the brain capacity to speak. I understand. (laughs) But dolphins, on the other hand. No, dolphins, absolutely. Dolphins are not fish. I know. Um, So, guys, I want to drive you to a couple of places to do a couple of things, because we are going to wrap things up now. Um, First things first, if you go to entertainthegeeky.com slash free game and use the promo code geeky, you will get a free copy of Merle's Truck Stop in Maine, our world-famous one-page role-playing game. So uh, get you some of that and enjoy it. Also, we are 
launching our Kickstarter very soon. We were shooting for May. We've recently pushed it back a little bit. That's okay. It's still coming, guys, for uh, Conniving Cooks. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We're going to have a bunch of information going up on that soon. Um, we're set to have a meeting next week about it. Me, Jason, and Roger are all going to sit down, hammer everything out. We're going to have the board game bros, Matt and Jeff, there as well. Uh, and they're going to, you know, tell, give us their input. We're going to give Mars, and we're going to come up with a killer campaign for you guys. Uh, also check out their, check out their podcast, man. If you're on our website, you know, entertainthegeeky.com, you can click the uh, shows tab and you'll see entertain the geeky Jason's show nerd news, which is super informative. And also you'll see board game bros there. And if you click that board game bros tab, basically what these dudes do is they, uh, being that they're game designers, um, they go in, they play a game and then they go through the design aspects of that game and and try to basically figure out why certain decisions were made and maybe talk about things that they would have done different. It's a it's a solid show for the thinking man. Jason, what what do you like to do in your show to keep people informed? What's your style? What's my style? What's your style? <laughs> You're putting me on the spot here. I'm uh, sorry. I just try to keep my eyes on everything that's going on. So video games, comic books, movies, television. I just am constantly on the internet, just keeping my eyes on everything that's going on. Uh, so my style is to just bring you all the information that is possible. All of the information. No, uh, <laughs> we, we sat down to record, and as we're sitting down, Jason's moving this diary out of the way, or little journal, that is full, full of fucking notes. And, you know, I, I, I got a glance at one of the pages, and I see Captain Marvel, this, that, and the other, and I'm like, Jesus, it's just... Yeah, it's, it's it's my notebook. It's it's so I, I write down everything I'm going to talk about throughout the week as it comes up. Yeah, well, I mean your writing's beautiful. Nah, it's not that. Beautiful. I write like I have fucking Parkinson's disease. So the fact that you've got something there that <laughs> another human can read is baffling to me. Yeah, so I mean, with 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 how quick news pops up and and how easy it would be to overlook it oh, at the end of a week, I always try to like write everything down as I go so that I. I'm always remembering throughout the end of the week what I'm going to talk about. And then I get to the end of the page, I, I name the episode, and then that's my episode. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Nerd News is a good show that you guys should be listening to. It'll keep you caught up on what's going on in the nerdy world. Uh, it's kind of, you know, what what we try to do here at Entertain the Geeky. Yeah. Um, and then keep your eyes peeled on our articles. We've got new stuff going up all the time now. Uh, Jason's been very diligent with it, and Roger and myself are putting more more stuff up now. Um, <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna see lots of uh, fun little reviews and stuff like that coming from us. Are there any parting words of advice you would like to leave our listeners with? Uh, yes, listeners, don't forget if you're local and you're listening to the show and you're enjoying it, we're gonna be out at Miniature Market uh, on May the twentieth. Uh, miniature Market out on uh, Manchester. Yeah, that's the only miniature market now. It's the only miniature market in this area. Um, so basically, Miniature Market has a warehouse. It's an su online superstore. They've got a huge warehouse here in Missouri that's closed to the public. What they did is they went and opened a superstore. And I will tell you guys what. You can basically come any day of the week after 6 o'clock and hang out with me if you want. Yeah. Um, as long as you're not a creepy stalker or a murderer. Uh, mm, yeah, because yeah, I would prefer not to get murdered yeah, while I'm don't, there. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> come play games with us. Uh, they run killer floor specials, and we are going to be demoing some of the floor games that they have yep. and maybe show you some of our stuff as well. So, guys, as always, stay geeky.